Grace, mercy, and peace be you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Next today's message comes from the Old Testament reading of Exodus, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, how many of you have kids? How many of you were ever a kid? Yeah, that covers everybody. So you'll probably understand what I'm about to say. Now, whether this has ever been you or been one of your children, picture this scenario. You walk near to your parents and you say, I'm hungry. And your parents say, you just ate 10 minutes ago. How are you still hungry? Okay, go get something to eat. To which the kid responds, no, you get it for me. Now, it's not usually that simple, right? Because the scenario really plays out more like this. I'm hungry. You just ate 10 minutes ago. Are you really hungry? I'm so hungry. Okay, well, go get some food. I can't because I'm so hungry. Are you really that hungry that you can't go get it yourself? I'm so hungry. No, that's just my household. (laughs) That's usually how it goes, right? You would think that having just had breakfast or lunch or dinner that, you know, your kids would be full would be satisfied, at least for a reasonable amount of time. But, no. There's always more. They always need something, and they're never fully satisfied. So they end up on the floor. Today we see the Israelites in the wilderness. And you have to remember this. They didn't just have lunch 10 minutes ago, but they had just had this amazing miracle of the parting of the Red Sea. I mean, picture this. You are walking across dry ground, right? Not ground that's like a little bit wet, like it's just rained, or that, you know, there's been millions of liters of water sitting on it for who knows how many years, right? And it's not squishy between your feet. It's not muddy. It is dry. You're walking on dry ground. And then as soon as you make it across the sea, right, and Pharaoh and his army who are chasing you are are now in the middle of this sea, all of a sudden, the walls of water just collapse. In an instant, they cave in on top of Pharaoh and his army. And all of the Egyptians drown. And you are free You are free from slavery. And what's the first thing you say? I'm hungry. Actually, they said this. We would have rather died in the hand of the Lord in Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And what does God do? 
God does what he always does. He provides for his people. Right? He ends up giving them manna, bread from heaven in the morning and quail in the evening. Sounds simple and easy enough, right? You're hungry. Here's some food. But there were lessons to be learned for the people. God told Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. The test here is that they were supposed to rely on God because he was going to provide daily bread for them, this manna from heaven. He's saying, trust me to take care of your daily needs. Manna in the morning and quail in the evening. And not only did God want them to rely on him to meet their daily needs, he also wanted them to obey him. If they gathered more than they needed and had leftovers the next day, the manna bred worms and stank, right? The bread bred worms, and it reeked. The only exception to this rule was on the sixth day. When they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. The seventh day was going to become a special day to the people. God was going to make it a holy day, a Sabbath, a day to stop and rest. A special day set aside, just like God had stopped and rested on the seventh day after creation. And so that day there would be no gathering in the fields because there was no food to be found. So on the sixth day, they would gather twice as much, but it would last until the next day. It wouldn't stink. So God made the Sabbath a special day, a day of rest, not for him, but for the people. And this is the first time we see the Sabbath named. And God was doing all of this so that they would know, that they would remember, that they would see that it was God who was doing all of this, who was providing for them, that they would see his glory, not just in the pillar of cloud by day and in the pillar of fire by night that he was already leading them with, but that they would see his glory, his presence in the food that he provided for them because he had heard their grumbling and their complaining. So how did the people do? Did they listen and obey and remember? Did the people rely on God daily? Some did. Did they only gather enough for the day? Some did. Did they gather too much and keep it over the next day and have it breed worms? Some did. Did they realize that God was with them? Some did. Did they observe, observe the Sabbath as a special day? Some did. Did they go out and find no manna on the Sabbath because they did not listen? Some did. Did they have faith that God was saving them and sustaining them daily? Some did. Did they grumble against Moses and Aaron and God? I think they all did. 
If we go back to our kids for a moment, right? now they've all been fed and nursed properly. I'm thirsty. Okay, go get something to drink. I can't move because I'm so thirsty. There is water right over there. Go help yourself. Oh, you're the worst. No, just my kids again. The people of Israel keep traveling through the wilderness, and they're getting fed daily, and they reach a place that has no water to drink. So the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt? To kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst. Did the people already forget that God was providing for their daily needs? Did the people think that God had abandoned them after only a short time? I mean, it certainly seems like it. Moses goes back to God and says, he cries out, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. Notice what he says. This people, right? Not my people, not your people, God. You know when you use that term? When you're sick and tired of those people and you're trying to distance yourself from them, right? You don't want to claim any connection or belonging or ownership to them, right? Think of your kids, right? I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. These kids will be the death of me. Not my kids. Not your kids. These kids over there. Those children. We all have our breaking point. Moses was tired of these people. Imagine how God must have felt since they're continually complaining and grumbling against him. What does he do? God says, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And everybody drank and was satisfied for a moment. And Moses, well, he called the place Massa and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? The place is named for the testing and the quarreling of the people. I think that last line is important. Is the Lord among us or not? The Israelites had not yet learned to live by faith, even though God is daily taking care of them. Let's go back to those kids who you may not want to claim as your own. Sometimes the kids simply say, I'm hungry. And you say, here are your options. You can have some fruit, you can have some veggies, you can have some yogurt. To which they say, no, I don't want that. I want candy. Or they say, I'm thirsty. And you say, here are your options. You can have water or you can have milk. And they say, no, I don't want that. I want juice. I want pop. I want Gatorade. 
You have given them everything that they need to nourish them. But it still isn't good enough. Do you ever feel that what God gives you, what God offers you, isn't good enough? Do you have enough to eat? Do you have enough to drink? Is the Lord among us or not? Take a look at your life. Are you content with what you have? Or is there more that you would like? More money? Nicer clothes? A fancier car? A bigger house? A better job? Better health? Children that actually listen and behave? Relationships that actually last? People that don't betray you? Someone who loves you for just the way you are? Someone who's not going to abandon you when the going gets tough? What do you need more of today? Where in your life are you not completely satisfied? Are you not completely filled? Is the Lord among us or not? Do you know why we have to ask this question? Because just like the Israelites, we easily forget that the Lord takes care of our every need. That God gives us daily bread, like we pray for in the Lord's Prayer. Even if we don't ask for it, he gives it to us. We complain when we don't have enough, that we want more because we're greedy. And often, we don't turn to God to satisfy us. We turn to other things, other people, to satisfy whatever hole in our life needs to be filled. And we turn to everything else besides God because we're sinners. The Israelites grumbled and complained and didn't listen and didn't obey. And you know what God should have done? He should have let them die in the wilderness. But he didn't. Why? Because he loved them. Because he cared for them. And he promised that he would take them to the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And God keeps his promises. We grumble, and we complain, and we don't listen, and we don't obey. And what should God do with us? He should let us die in our trespasses and sins. He should give us exactly what our sins deserve, death. Physical death, yes, which will come for all of us just like it came for the Israelites. Jesus said in our gospel reading for today, Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This bread from heaven didn't sustain them for all eternity. It didn't keep them alive forever. They died. Death is a result of sin. Physical death, yes, but a consequence of sin is also eternal death. It's hell. It's condemnation. It's forever being separated from God. That's what God should give us. And he would be just and right to do that. But he doesn't. 
Why? Because he loves us. Because he cares for us. And he promised all the way back when Adam and Eve first sinned that he would send the serpent crusher, the Savior, to bring us freedom from the slavery of sin, death, and the devil. And God keeps his promises. And because our needs are more than physical, rather than providing us with bread from heaven, heaven comes down to us as God becomes flesh. Flesh that also becomes bread. As we heard Jesus say, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. Today, God doesn't give us manna from heaven. Bread that we need to gather daily. He doesn't give us food that spoils the next day if we don't consume it all. He doesn't need a rock to provide water for us. What he gives us today is his body. Those who do not believe in him as the bread of life, they rejected him, and they nailed him to the cross. The bread of life took his last breath and died for us in order to free us from sin, death, and the devil. Jesus had to lay down his life. The only way to save you, his people, was to die for them die for you, die for me. Today is the day that we celebrate as our Sabbath, our day of rest, our day to stop, a day dedicated to God. And it's because on this day, the first day of the week, Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead for us. And after having his flesh nailed to the cross and his blood poured out for us and for all of our sins, Jesus, the bread of life, came back to life. Jesus came to die for us, to rise for us because he loves us and because God keeps his promises. And he isn't leading us to a promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. He's leading us to the promised land of heaven where we will never again hunger or thirst. And it's through faith that this is all possible. And he's given us the Holy Spirit to create faith in us, to believe in him and in his death and resurrection. And he promised that he'd always be with us. Now that doesn't mean that we won't have struggles in life, that we won't experience pain and suffering and hunger and thirst and sickness and death. Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Today we come and receive Jesus with all of our hurt, with all of our brokenness, with all of our grumbling, with all of our complaints, with all of our struggles, and with all of our sins. And we lay them down not on the floor, but we lay them at the foot of the cross where Jesus serves us. He is alive and he works in us. 
He gives us living water through baptism, through the water and the word to forgive and cleanse and renew us. He gives us the bread of life himself in his supper. And we are not some people, these people over there. We're not this people. We are God's people. Chosen from creation, called by name in baptism, marked and redeemed by Christ in that saving water. And we're fed with the bread of life, Jesus' body and blood that comes to us for the forgiveness of our sins, for the strengthening of our faith, and for our salvation. Is the Lord among us or not? He certainly is. Always and forever. In this life and in the eternal life that is to come for you who believe. You who are his people. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.